Hi, this is Reverend Tommy, and I'd like to welcome you back to the garden where we explore the big questions about life. I invite you to open your minds and be receptive to seeing things differently. So let's get metaphysical. So today I want to talk about the five principles, and today is number one. And uh, we can kind of call it no spot where God is not. And today and next week, Unity Spiritual Center Georgetown will be conducting membership classes. And ever since I arrived, I've been wanting to share the lessons that I have about the five principles with you. And I was just waiting for the right time. And guess what? This is the right time. Uh, and so they are, after all, the foundation of how we see the universe, our lives, and the relationship between the two. So today's a perfect day. It gives us all an opportunity to share these lessons as a group. Unity is unique in many ways, as you know, but we are distinctly unique in the sense that we have no creed or dogma. Nothing specific you must believe in order to be a member. But we do have five principles that guide and formulate our philosophy, our theology, however you want to base that. And these principles are quite lofty. They really are. And another aspect about unity that's very interesting is that we also don't require you to give up any affiliation that you may have with another religious organization. I've told you before that when I first came to unity, I, I would come to the, to the service and I would leave and I'd go to Catholic Mass because I was the, the youth director for the high school age music team. So I did that for a while. Uh, now, there are very re various reasons why we do not have set beliefs. And the first and probably the most important is that we teach and appreciate an open mind and an open heart. Because an individual with an open mind and an open heart is always growing in awareness, always expanding in his or her consciousness. And this is consistent with our belief that every day is new and that our consciousness is expanding every day as a result of the experience of that day. Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore did not write a single thing down for 20 years because in his reasoning was, the person that I am today is not the person that I'm going to be tomorrow. And so he knew that to hold down a steadfast set of beliefs is a limitation contrary to life's unlimited nature. Let me, let me say that again. To hold down a steadfast set of beliefs is contrary to life's unlimited nature. We limit ourselves. So we try not to do that. Eventually, he was persuaded to start writing things down and so that we could pass on this new understanding of the relationship with God and man that came to be known as the New Thought Movement. Many years later, many years later, his grand, great-granddaughter, Connie Fillmore Bazzi, she was the president of the Unity School in Kansas City at the time, and she was asked if she could summarize our teachings, and she came up with the five principles. And they have since become the cornerstone of what we teach. We are all familiar with them, or should be familiar with them. If you'd like reminders, they are on our bookmarkers. We have some outside. You can pick some up. And I'm going to challenge you 
to try to explain them to somebody in your family who doesn't know what they are. Give it a shot. See if you can do it. <laughs> so today I'm going to begin with unity principle number one. But before I do, let me note them all for you. Number one, God is absolute good everywhere present. Two, human beings are created in the image of God and our very essence is divine. Therefore, we are inherently good. Three, we create our life experiences through our thoughts and our beliefs. Four, through affirmative prayer and meditation, we align with God, with source, and bring out the good in our lives. Five, I do and give my best by living the truth I know. I make a difference. Now, a condensed version of this might be something like this, and I've heard several versions. This is the one that I use. It goes like this. God is, I am, I create, I align, I act. So those are the five principles. So let's begin with the first one. God is absolute good everywhere present. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes just for a moment. I'm going to throw a word out there for you, and I want you just to see what is the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? The word is God. So what came to your mind? What? All. Oh, very good. Because I was wondering if any kind of a notion of a being of some, some sort still came to your mind. A super being, a supreme being, or, or something like that. Because, you know, remember Meister Eckhart said, God is not a being. God is beingness. And I'm, you probably share in that. And I want to know if, if maybe for the first thought that came to my mind, for example, if I'm going to be completely honest, even though I've been in the university now, I don't know, not that long, maybe 16 years or something, and becoming a minister, but I still have, maybe it's a Catholic background, just a little residual of that anthropomorphic God that just kind of wants to creep in just a tad. It's not dominant anymore. But it's kind of still there if I am to be completely uh, truthful with myself. Now, I totally agree with Meister Eckhart at 100%. But that's not my first go-to guy, and that's my point exactly. And that, How do I know this? Because let me tell you what didn't come to my mind. And maybe it didn't come to your mind either. Trees, grass, mountains, a sunset. Beautiful music, an ant, the image of a billion galaxies, love, and the last one, me, or in your case, you. Especially if these last two, love and yourself, did not first come to your mind, then you, like I, still have a little bit of work to do because that the other image, that old image of, of God is still lurking in there somewhere. How do we change that? Well, I mean, your journey is your journey, and how you change that is going to be up to you. But for me personally, my self-prescribed remedy is honestly to stop using the word as much as possible, because I feel like I'm, I'm going upstream with it. So I like to use spirit or source a lot more often. And the reason why is because neither one has any anthropomorphic image or connotation to it. 
spirit source is just has a different feel to it. Now, that's just me being straight up with me. And, you know, because I said, I'm not telling you how to do this. But anyway, God's not going to take offense. Because that's one of the things we have learned, that God does not take offense. Remember the lesson, prodigal son. God does not take offense. So principle one, God, God is absolute good everywhere present. Let's see if we can make some progress on this. Every Sunday morning, we begin early on with our statement of being. There is only one presence and one power active in the universe and in my life, God the good, omnipotent. Now, this is extremely important. First and foremost, because it is our first principle. Second, because right out of the gate, it's telling everybody we see things differently. We are centered in that oneness. And it also makes clear a couple of, it dispels a couple of myths. One is that God is a being of any kind because there's no noun or pronoun in that statement. There is none. Second, it dispels the well-regarded myth that there is an opposing power in the universe. That's a big part of that statement is to try to say there is not an opposing power in the universe. For everyone, for most everyone, that there is, the idea that there is an opposing power is a given. You can go to any traditional service that you like, and you're going to hear talk about the enemy, the devil fighting for your soul, things like that. And, of course, the end times, that, that place when we have that big battle between the forces of good and the forces of evil. This is what most people believe. And, again, we learned this recently it's not about right or wrong. It's just we learned in the last month and a half or so through the various lessons that we've been doing that really they're just, they represent characteristics of stages that we go through. Remember they were their tribal, the warrior, the, the traditional? That 75% of the entire world's population is still within that framework. So, but the irony is that same people, the 75% who believe that, also believe that God is all-powerful, everywhere present, and all-knowing. The three characteristics that we most, mostly ascribe to, to God. But the problem here is that th that's just not being mindful of your words. You can't have a God with all, that's all-powerful, everywhere present, and all-knowing, and still have another power. It just doesn't really make any sense. I did a lesson once about what is God. And my brother, my brother, at the time, I don't know if he still is, was going to Jehovah's Witnesses, and, and he talked to me, what are you going to talk about this week, brother? And I said, uh, what is God? And he goes, you mean who is God? And I said, no, no, I pretty much mean what is God. <laughs> and, and I said, you know, Benny, one of the things that, that I, I like to say is, like, I may not know what God is, but I know what God isn't. And God is not what I've been told it is. And so the question about what is God when you put it in the context of all-powerful, everywhere present, and all-knowing, the question really isn't, what is God? The question is, what is not God? From that perspective. And the answer is, of course, nothing. Nothing is not God, including you, and including me, and including the grass and the mountains. And in fact, in unity, we have a saying, I said this right now when I started, there is no spot where God is not. And the Psalms 
agree with that statement. 139.7, you probably heard it. I've used it several times. Where shall I go from your presence? Or where shall I flee from your, from your spirit? If I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. Imagine that. God in hell. How does that work exactly? I mean, I, you know, some, sometimes I like to just look at things lightly. <laughs> and I said, you know, on, 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 the, on, the, on, on the possibility, a rare possibility that I end up in hell, that's the good news is that God is there too. And, and if I get the bunk next to him, I'm going to have all of eternity to ask him, how does this work out? What are you doing here? <laughs> but that's what it says in Psalms. It's very strange. Absol God is absolute good everywhere present. <laughs> in the booklet, um, the one I had here that we passed out recently about the five principles, uh, there's an article that Reverend Kelly Isola, who I like to consider her my friend, she's really a great person. It's called Living Oneness, and she says, the first principle tells us that there is only one presence and one power. What are traditionally known as the other four principles, I believe, are really practices. That's what she says. They are four ways of bringing the one presence and the one power, the principle of oneness, into conscious awareness, then acting from that awareness of oneness. That's pretty good, Kelly. I like that. In other words, it is saying... That everything is just a variation of that one first principle. Period. And so that's interesting. Now there's another unique aspect of um, unity and regarding God that we have the tradition does not have. And we've talked about it in the other and in at the on Wednesday mornings. And then the word is panentheistic. Panentheistic, meaning that both is both God is both transcendent and imminent. Out there and in here. Reverend Ellen, in this Five Principles book, she says, we are like fish in water. Uh, and, and, we quote, and she quotes uh, St. Paul when he says, he says in him, but in it we live and move and have our being. So I just recently shared some from Reverend uh, Paul Smith about the three faces of God, which I like to change to three phases of God for the same reason, to eliminate that anthropomorphic element of it. And he says there are three faces, which I, he says, there is the I, the first person, the inner face of God, the thou, the second person, the intimate phase of God, and the it, the third person, the infinite phase of God. So the I, the inner, thou, the intimate, and it, the infinite. And I said, wow. So I think I like to equate it with, the, uh, with our divine order, which is mind, idea, expression. Mind would be the it, the infinite aspect of God. Idea would be the thou, the intimate aspect of God. And expression would be the I, the personal aspect of God. So before closing this uh, topic, let me correct something that I, that I said earlier. I said that I was talking about the characteristics of God, all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere present. But see, that's, that's, in, that's incorrect that I said that. And I caught myself when I was making notes. I said, I see you're doing it. 
they're continuing with that anthropomorphic thing. Because the way to really see it, and it changes everything, and maybe I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Let's correct that. Because to say God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere present is to, is to say that there is something with something. And that's incorrect. So the correct way to say it, we say God is not omnipresent. God is omnipresence. God is not all-powerful. God is all-power. God is not omniscient. God is omniscience. That changes everything. Let me leave you with a brief little reading from the end of chapter one of the five principles. It's because everyone has a little meditation on it. And it's a very short little thing. But I'm going to ask you to just, um, if you're comfortable, close your eyes for a second and, and listen to every word. And just take in the word and be the word. Be the word, whatever the word is. Just be it and go with it. It says, I enter into the stillness to align myself with the one mind. The one presence that permeates all of creation. I feel myself as part of this creation. Connected to all of nature. I am the light and I am the darkness. I am the oceans and I am the land. I am the rocks and the trees, the fish and the birds, the beasts of the earth. And I am one with every human being on the planet. In this oneness, I sense the order of all things. I feel the divine love that moves me and in every molecule of the cosmos. I know the divine intelligence that is the foundation of all that is or ever will be. I am one with all. Take that in and remember that as you go about your week. Have a blessed one. Thank you.